You're tuned in to the biggest balls of them all. That's right. Playing with Balls podcast. We got sports and comedy for that ass. You're about to go downtown, bitch, on the only podcast that sports platinum and brunette chicks. That's right. Playing with Balls podcast, you dig? Welcome to the Playing with Balls podcast. I am your host, Shannon Lee. And I just got back from London, and I actually just woke up from a 36-hour sleep. So either I'm going to have a lot of energy on this podcast, or I'm going to be snoring by the end. But I've got my guest, Marvin Horn, here. Hey. Hey, thanks for joining me. Oh, never a problem, Shannon. I'm glad you're, you're doing well. Thank you. <laughs> well, hopefully I don't look like I'm about to fall asleep. Uh, Marvin just said right before we started that I have a London tan, which is called red for me, <laughs> and it also matches the wine that we're drinking. So cheers! cheers we're drinking rosé. Rosé, and here's a sip. Mm. So I'm so super excited to have you on the podcast. Actually, we've asked you a couple times before, and I always usually like to start off with um, how we met. Okay. So. I remember, I think it was like August of last year, Yes. and uh, my former partner and I, Rachel, were doing a little uh, segment on your adult men's <laughs> baseball team, yes, yes. the Venice Gays. <laughs> Venice Gays in the house. Yeah, so I met you in, was it Redonda, wherever the South Bay Pelicans, is that right? South Bay Pelicans, we were at Carson High School, Carson, I believe. Carson, mm-hmm. California mm-hmm. High yeah. School. Yeah. So I met you in the dugout, and I met your two boys. Yes. They're so adorable. Thank you. <laughs> and actually, if if the listeners go back to some of our old videos that we still have posted on Instagram and Facebook, um, that is still up there. Yes. And it was it was really neat to do a um, like a little segment on an adult men's league. But what really drew us to it, I think, is like the... You know, you, a lot of you guys are like former athletes, mm-hmm. and yes. the camaraderie that you have. Yes. You know, and even that, and pl- you play at a like somewhat competitive level. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool. You don't really see that too often. No, it, it's um, it, it's a, a an assortment of guys. I'll say that everyone is a <laughs> professional in their own way, but there, it's just a a good group of guys. You know, family guys and. And I remember as well, when I walked in, I'm like, okay, who are these ladies in the dugout? You know, (laughs) as soon as you see a woman in the dugout, it's like you want to put your towel around your waist or something, you know? (laughs) So it's like, so you're just like, what's going on? No, but you guys were beautiful and open, you know, and my kids couldn't stay off of you guys. Oh, your kids are so cute. Thank you. Thank you. They're, they're a handful, but now they're, they're, they're wonderful. But, um, you know, I just, I'm grateful that you had me on the show and, I'm glad you had a good time. I want to hear about your good time in London. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay, yeah. So I'll tell you about London first. Um, so I went to visit one of my best friends who I, I actually met her the first week that I moved to L.A., and it was her first week that she had moved to L.A. from okay. New York, and we just became, like, instant friends Okay. to the point where we were on vacation together by you know, um, the 4th of July, which was like a month later, okay. we just really clicked in. So we'd been very close for a number of years and she's British and she'd always said, maybe one day she'll be back there because she's got nieces and mm-hmm. family and everything there, but, um, no plans. And then she meets this guy who's British, who, uh, is a radio personality in London and, uh, Chris Moyles and, um, for any Brits that know um, mm-hmm. who he is, I'm sure they do. Um, and so he got her, you know, they started to do the long distance thing. So he he was sort of the catalyst that got her to move back. So nice. I actually miss her so much. I sound like such a nerd when I say this, that I, I sometimes have dreams that she still lives here. 
And then I wake uh, up and uh, I'm like sad. Right. That's <laughs> best friend syndrome right yeah. there. So yeah. So I basically went to London from Tuesday, Wednesday of last week and I got back uh, Tuesday night and it was so it was super fun. Mm-hmm. But I on top of the jet lag, they had a heat wave there and it was like the kind of weather that they don't see they're not mm-hmm. equipped for it they no building has air condition oh, wow. nothing and it was so fucking hot <laughs> i mean there's no other way to say it that it was to- it was almost torture mm-hmm. because the weather hadn't even um forecasted it to be that hot it was okay. supposed to be in the 70s it ended up being in the 80s went up to 90 wow and you brought california with you i mean california and like valley weather or something i don't even know <laughs> And um, it was super fun. We hung out all around London, like went to some cool like hot spots like Soho Farmhouse out in the country. Mm, and nice. yeah, and we went out in downtown London, hung out in a place called Highgate. Okay. We did like a picnic. I mean, it was so fun, but I didn't sleep. Mm. The only thing about it was I didn't sleep because between jet lag you know, because it's eight hours ahead there. Ahead, okay. It's super hard to go to sleep because it's like 4 p.m. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would drink a lot to try to knock ourselves out. Nice. We'd pass out. But then I went with a couple girl- girlfriends from here, one of my friends from Boston. But then we would pass out and all wake up like two or three hours later in like a pool of our own sweat. It was like a torture chamber because it was so hot. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we ended up maybe averaging two to three hours of sleep a night. Right. That sounds like a Vegas run. So I you know. know. Like, <laughs> Except we were in London, London. Like, But what I couldn't understand was by the last day, like how my body wasn't completely shutting down. But for, it's like my body had just become used to it. And it was like mm. the new normal. Mm-hmm. Like, right. But I was my my face was starting to look different, like not great because I was so tired. And I was just getting weird because I'm really fair skinned. So I was getting weird sunburn spots mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was so much fun. I. I would have stayed if I stayed longer. I would have um, got to meet um, Ed Sheeran mm-hmm. and um, Steve Carell, so, okay. and Chris, and one of my favorite um, comedic actresses, Kristen Wiig. Okay. So a part of me was like, do I stay longer and like pay all this money to rebook my flight? And the other part of me was, Shannon, you might die because you haven't slept <laughs> in <laughs> no, like a week. Don't say that. Right. No, so I it was really fun though. I had a great time, That's but um, I have um, slept. I got home Tuesday night and I slept for um, thirty six hours. Okay. And I was up yesterday for maybe four hours, and then I passed back out. So today is like my first day where I'm like alive. Back to normal. Yeah. Well, you're you're a pretty hot stormtrooper. I'll say that. I saw the <laughs> oh, I saw, you saw, yeah, I saw the Instagram. I'm like, well, who is that? Because I'm a Star Wars guy. I'm not a Trekkie. I'm a straight up Star Wars. Me guy. too. Yeah, so I I'm, don't like Star Trek. Though. No, no, not no. at all. Not at all. So I saw this, the the stormtrooper thing, and I saw the quote, and I'm like, oh, okay, she likes Star Wars. So th- did that happen in in Europe? Oh my as well, god! So you saw my um, video? It's on my Instagram. No, I didn't see the video. Well, oh no, it's a little clip. Oh, it is. That's okay. what you, you saw okay. my Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that was, what it okay, is. that's what it was. Okay, yes. okay, okay. So yeah, so. Oh, my God. I'm so happy you you mentioned that. So I am a huge Star Wars nerd. I love Star Wars. And um, high five to that. We just high five. I mean, when I first saw um, Princess Leia in the gold bikini, I was like, I got to do that. I mean, come on. She's like she's like the first hottie, you know. Right. And um, it's it's like the first movies were a little bit before my time. But my dad loved it so much that I Mm -hmm. watched it as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I kind of skipped those 
George Lucas here. I didn't really love the like George Lucas ones. Like, you didn't like, like the George Anakin. Lucas ones. You know what? You're not. I think it's. I, I definitely think a lot of people loved them. Mm-hmm. I I just I it, what to me it wasn't like what J.J. Abrams has brought back with like he picked right back up from Return of the Jedi and mm-hmm. I like that more. Yeah. But I did like those. You don't, you like did you like uh, Empire Strikes Back? I love Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's actually you mean the original? Yeah, the original. That's yeah. my favorite. Okay. Uh, okay. Of all and I don't know if like Mine too. Yeah. I, I mean yeah. I think it's the best one, right? Yeah. Oh, it's the best one. The Return of the Jedi was awesome too. They're all awesome, but it, it started to get like a little like oh, we're trying to sell like stuffed animals with all their weirdness in there you know (laughs) right yeah so anyways um i go to my friend i stay with my friend chris and tiffany and i walk and i know he loves he and i um have two of two of the same favorite movies we bonded first on back to the future because my favorite movie is back to the future too you love Back You're to the Future? Two for two. Oh my God, you You're love Back to the Future? Two. All three of them. Oh my God. Well, two happens to be my favorite, which people think is weird, but I just love. I love one, though, too. I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong. I love. Yeah. And I, I love three, but, but I love. Not to get off track, but I love. Um, their 1985's interpretation of what 2015 yeah. was going to look like. <laughs> right. And I loved it so much that actually on October 21st, 2015, which is the day they went back to the future, uh-huh. and number two, uh-huh. I had a party. Okay. And I made all of my guests, because this is how big of a nerd I am, watch a montage of Back to the Future. So anyways, we, he and I love like, the same movies. My, right. This is my friend's boyfriend. Okay. And when I first met him, I, she was like, should I go out with him what do you think I was like you better marry that man right because he loves these these (laughs) movies he's awesome so I walk by um, so I walk by something and I see an R2D2 thing and I was like first of all like what is this and it like it doesn't work anymore in, in their house, but it operates like all of their stereo. It used to operate like all their stereo equipment, okay. which is pretty fucking cool, right? Yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah. And then another time, but then I walk by um, as I'm touring the house, I turn a corner up to going up to Chris's office and I see the Stormtrooper helmet on a, on a like a podium mm-hmm. and it's pretty accurate to like what the like real, real thing. deal yeah, yeah I mean, that looked real it. deal you yeah that it. didn't look yeah that didn't look cheesy and i it was so shiny and Ooh. so beautiful and i just kept walking by it and i kept playing star wars music and um he got the picture he got that. the picture and i said <laughs> i said can i try this helmet on and he's like you can try the helmet on he goes but we have the whole costume and i i said holy shit can I try the whole costume on? And for the whole time I was there, he was like, no, Shannon, this thing takes 30 minutes to put on. We're having a heat wave in London. He said it in a British accent, but I can't, I'm going to sound like a, I'm terrible if I try to emulate it. But he said, you know, you're going to die under there. But he's like, more so, I just don't feel like putting this thing on you for 30 minutes and taking it off. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, I just want to wear the helmet. <laughs> so he's like, okay, you can wear the helmet and blah, blah, blah. So it's the second, it's the day before we're leaving. And I said, Chris, and I, we got home from farm, Soho Farmhouse, and I said, Chris, you know what, what this day this is, right? And he said, what? And I said, this is the day I'm, just, I'm trying on the helmet, and you got to get the helmet for me. Because I don't want to touch it. It's, like, all up in a podium and stuff. Right, right. So he comes downstairs with the helmet and with three boxes of things. And he goes, oh, wow. he goes you know what? Because you are a true Star Wars fan. And you're my friend. You're going to try on the whole thing. Nice. So it took him 30 minutes to put it on. Mm-hmm. And, I, of course, I was, like, taking pictures the whole time, like, insta-storying the whole thing. And then finally he gets the whole thing on, and I'm sweating my ass off. But it was the coolest experience. 
ever and I didn't want to take it off <laughs> and so he's like taking pictures we're like taking videos and I mean like of course like if you're a real character you're not a stormtrooper because they're the bad guys but right, still right. it was pretty cool it was beautiful I, I loved it I was like what the heck and it looked legit like ladies and gentlemen this is <laughs> real and she had the quote and everything you look kind of small, small to be forward. yeah, a oh, stormtrooper I'm a, I look a little short or small to be a stormtrooper right, yeah yeah and right on aren't you no. a little short to be aren't you a little small for a stormtrooper stormtrooper right I think that's the saying right yeah, but man it, it was it was right on and right? I was walking around with an ongoing do 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 and like um I was trying to find the music but I couldn't find it so I was just doing it myself so he he had that is that like original Star Wars gear, like stuff that was used in the film? Um, I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. I didn't ask him if it was uh, used or if it was like uh, an exact replica. Mm -hmm. But what he did tell me was that it's um, the whole getup is like extremely similar to the what they wear in the movie. Oh, wow. And it was signed by somebody. Um, mm. And I asked him on the inside chess guard, I guess that's what you would call it. It was signed by somebody from Star Wars and you couldn't understand who it was and I said Chris who was assigned by he had never seen that it was signed oh. because I think because he's um he's like a uh, collector or something well not even really that he's a he gets a lot of gifts because he interviews he's a radio personality for like and he's like a, a well-known radio okay. guy in London okay. so he's kind of like I would say the Howard Stern of London. So he's also oh, he's big. Yeah, he's really big yeah. there. He's yeah. I mean, at one point when he was on Radio One, it was called he had like seven to eight million viewer British um, listeners out of a population of 60 million. So he mm. had, you know, think a about fair, I'm really yeah. I'm not very good at math, but, it, that's, but that's over he said, a tenth. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that, the that's population. pretty good out of a population. Right. So he get you know, so he gets a lot of like cool gifts and stuff like that. Nice. So. Definitely, it's signed by somebody legit. Right. I should have taken a picture, but we don't know who. He was, he never even knew it was signed until I pointed it out. Because I said I was like, if I stay in this for too much longer, I'm going to sweat through your signature. <laughs> He's like, what? Who? What signature? It might be George. I mean, you never know whose signature. You know, I have no idea. But he only got it a couple years ago. I'm the th only the third person to wear it. He's the first, obviously, and then his cousin, and then me. Nice. Unless it was. We, I don't think it was used, for, right. but it was very, like, that's legit. Cool. No, that's super It, it looked kind of like a piece of shit until he put, like, t the two last pieces on, and then mm. it just, I totally looked like a stormtrooper. Right, right. You know? So, yeah, it, t it took 30 minutes. Wow. 30 so minutes damn. in the London heat wave. Um, and I probably lost five pounds wearing that thing, but it was really cool. <laughs> I was just marching around, like, the whole time. And then they were like, okay, Shannon, it's time for dinner. And you can't even sit down in that. Costume. So like take it off 30 more minutes yeah but anyways it was really cool it was a highlight of my trip and now i nice. have my those pictures and it's you know for somebody who loves star wars i mean it's awesome you know i kept saying i'm the first female stormtrooper so so now we have to get rose box set of star wars <laughs> and hang out now. definitely yeah, we have to do and that. back to the future back too to the future. right right <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, uh, those are some of my favorite things, yeah. seriously, and uh, sports, yeah. obviously, because that's why we're talking on the podcast. So yes. enough about me and my life, but I wanted to go back to um, talking about right when I was actually in London, mm -hmm. you had messaged me, and I got to call you out for this, because I think you might have got slightly worried for a minute because you had made mention after I had we had confirmed you on the podcast, you were like... You made a point to say, you know, Shannon, I'm not a comedian. You know, I'm not, I'm not really that funny. So I don't know if you want to have me on the podcast. And I was thinking, well, shit, 
you know, uh, I don't have time to rebook Marvin, so we're just going to have to wing it. You right, know? just wing it. I, I, I'm funny in my own right, well, you know. But, you know. But I was, you're a community genius. I've seen oh, you work. Oh, come on. You know, you're, you're a genius. You, Andy, all you guys, Sean, Leary, you guys are like really genius, you know, and I, I appreciate your Well, Leary is one guy I haven't had on the podcast yet, but Andy Laz was actually my very first interview um and that was right after we interviewed uh the venice gays okay and we'll have to explain that name too because right yeah yeah. but uh but uh you know one of the things i wanted to say and it is newer for the listeners too since um we i've revamped the podcast a little bit in especially in the last couple episodes and now i'm running it on my own one of the i think the beautiful things about this podcast is that you know we have comedians on here and um but and we have that I interview and sports personalities and former players and anybody like related to the sports world in a meaningful way. But one of the things I love about it is, yes, I am a comedian. So um, that's a thing for sure. But I kind of like to put that. It kind of is the is secondary on the mm-hmm. podcast because the most important thing is sports, because the one common theme that you have with everybody that's I interview on this is there's some connection to sports that goes greater than just loving sports. It's something that's in your past that has, and your present and your future Mm -hmm. that has shaped your life. It is, it is kind of catapulted you into a certain direction. It's connected you to maybe some of the, some of the places in which you are today. And so sometimes the podcast is super funny, especially if there is another comedian on here and it's just like them doing bits or something, Mm -hmm. but they have a connection to sports and everybody's, story is so unique and so the purpose is to have your story and how that has impacted you and i think that's what our listeners and the feedback i've received from our listeners is what they really love to hear from everybody so you know, if you're not going to be funny, shit, you might as well have a really good connection to sports. <laughs> right, you know? have a good story, you know. But no, no, no. When when I I met you guys and just heard the questions that you guys were asking that day, I'm like, these these girls aren't just fine. They know sports. They understand, you know. And and um, um, uh, Rachel, she she loved the the White, the Sox. White Sox, you know. And I'm a former White Sox, you know, professional baseball right. player. I played minor league baseball for right. uh, three years with the White Sox. Right. Ended up breaking my back. Oh, I and, remember you saying that. Yeah, and just had to. It kind of it didn't derail anything. It just it was just what it was, you know. But right. um, but sports and especially if a woman that that's one thing for a woman. <laughs> if a woman knows sports and she walks up with a Bud Light in her hand, <laughs> you're the you're the coolest woman that's ever on the planet. How about like Stella? Because I like Stella. Okay, Stella, Stella, <laughs> Stella. Yeah, I, I like you're Bud high, Light. Though. High I can get down. Right, you can get down with like you know once once in a while. But, yeah, you know. But 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 women in sports, it's like. Nothing more do we love a man that loves sports as a woman that loves sports that can appreciate with us that that knows the history of the teams that they love because mm-hmm. you know most uh, you know sometimes most of the time guys nowadays they just like the color of the uniform and who's cheering the loudest for what team but if you have like you follow the team like you're from Philly you yeah. know and you say I'm I'm an Eagles fan you know mm-hmm. and I used to love Randall Cunningham back in the day ah. he was yeah he was like a you know he was really a quintessential black quarterback because there wasn't many in right. the league at that time so. You you know, just hearing your stories, and I have friends that are Chicago Bears fans, and they're just, you know, diehard, but I'm a Raider fan, so, you know, I, I've been struggling for, I don't know how <laughs> many, years. many years, right, but, you know, it's finally time, it's finally our time. 
I think so. Well, what do you think about them moving to Vegas, though? Do you, does that does that make you mad? You know, it 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 it, it makes me mad because I'm I'm actually a, a Raider purist. I, I grew up liking the Oakland Raiders, and then they moved to L.A., and that was mm-hmm. like just a cherry on top. You know, they had Bo Jackson, right? Uh, Marcus Allen. They had some great players then. You know, I, I know them from the Plunkett days. So it's just uh, them moving to Las Vegas. I know it's a business. You know, yeah. and, and being on the business side of sports, you see, is just about that, you know. But I, I, all my true Oakland homies, they're, they're really devastated behind it because now their team is leaving again. I was just having this conversation with somebody about the Eagles and about how teams go to these other places. And L.A., we've clearly had teams bounce in and out of here for however <laughs> yeah. long. And I, I sort of tried to put it into perspective, and I thought, you know, if – if the Eagles ever left Philadelphia, I would be devastated. Yeah. I just would. I mean, I just don't even know what I, what I would do about that. And all I can do is pray that that never happens because they defined a lot of my growing up and a lot mm. of my family. And when you talk about Randall Cunningham, for me, my very first, one of my very first sports memories was sitting on my dad's lap in the old veteran stadium, mm. watching Randall Cunningham play and not just doing it because my dad tried to take me to do a lot of things when I was a kid, especially before my brother was born, before mm. we had a boy in the family and mm. I was the oldest. I, I still am. <laughs> so, so you got the, all the sports memories. Oh, my dad used to make me play t-ball and the, I, I, that ended up being my best sport uh, growing up softball. But I, when I started playing t-ball, he used to say, why can't you hit it like Sean? Why can't you hit it like the boys? And I'm like, well, Dad, I'm a girl. Because I remember going up and trying to hit the ball, and I just didn't have like the, the, the physical or, yeah, the yeah. physical power yet, and I didn't know what I was doing. And then <laughs> these little boys that were my same age would go up and hit it, and they would just like knock the shit out of the ball. Yeah. So I really couldn't contribute until I did become a good athlete when I got a little bit older, mm-hmm. but I couldn't really contribute to that in the family. But one thing I could appreciate was the sports themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget watching Randall Cunningham play and just having this like moment where I remember I remember thinking to myself, well, the other quarterbacks on just thinking the other quarterbacks on TV don't move like he moves. Right. And I think that taught me about quarterbacking. (laughs) Yes. And I mean, I don't know how old I was, but I was pretty young. I mean, I was under seven Mm because I'm just saying this because my brother wasn't born yet. Um, So then we started to have to share like the tickets and stuff. I got all of them to all the sporting events like the Flyers and the Phillies Mm -hmm. and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and the Eagles. But I remember that taught me something about the craft of the sport. And so now Mm -hmm. when I look at and analyze like quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. which I do and I I don't know why I just love to do that. I think it, that's where it first started for me. So that's like oh, yeah. my connection, you yeah. know? Yeah. And also a connection to like why I do this podcast because yeah. I love to hear, you know, different people's perspectives. But I would say going back to Oakland, one thing that Oakland and Philly definitely have in common are the fan base. Fan base, yes. Fan we base, actually yes. share a sports bar too here in LA. I don't know if you know. Really? Where? It's called, it's, it's some shithole uh, uh, dive. I, I've never actually been there yet. It's called Sports Harbor. I love Sports Harbor. Raheem at Sports Harbor, he's the Papa Shot champion in Venice, right? Oh, on Washington. okay. Yeah, so yeah. so I feel bad for calling it a shithole now, but I think no, it's it more is. of like it's a, a hole, dive. But it's a dive, So yeah. you know during football season, um, it's an Oakland and Philly bar. I didn't know that. Which I think actually makes a lot of sense because you know how some bars will dedicate themselves to a team like yeah, like yeah. the old o'briens down the street here in santa monica used to be a bears okay uh all chicago mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. sunday mm-hmm. so so i think that if any bar that has oakland and philly 
um, for football Sundays. They get it <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, we have be very – they're like sh- shuffle the one fan base in, then shuffle them out and shuffle them. And it's like, you you know, just right, blink and maybe people. their jerseys are different, but it's very similar. <laughs> same people. Because we get a lot of shit in Philly for having bad fans, yeah, you know, yeah. and I'm sure you guys do too. Yeah, I mean, but see, Oakland, it's, it's a different fan base, you know. It's like if you come into Oakland because we my, – my sons and I, and I take my sons to the games in Oakland, and, and if you're there and you're just a football fan, if you, even if you have another jersey, jersey on they're not going to mess with you but if you're standing up like you know i went when they played the dallas cowboys a couple years ago and this guy you know dallas cowboy fan he's standing up during their possessions the whole time and everybody's afraid to just say not not really afraid but i was in a lower seated section so the higher up you go the more boisterous you get you know so every nobody's saying anything i'm like hey man you're gonna have to sit your ass down (laughs) you know like okay i understand it's their possession but you know but you just have to respect the fan base that you're how can I say where you're going to visit? You yeah. know, and yeah, but 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 Philly, I just don't agree with them throwing stuff at Ryan Howard. I just I don't understand oh, that. Oh, that one year or that one it was one guy, by the way. One guy, I'm not gonna okay. justify it because I just talked um so we do a, a segment on Playing with Balls podcast called Philly Bro Talk. Okay. And where my brother this is new, we've only done one so far, but my bro, my little brother from who lives in South Jersey, right outside of Philly. Okay. Um, he and he calls in and we have like a twenty minute segment and we were just talking about Ryan Howard, how he just got cut from Major League in general. And yeah, yeah. he was just, you know, during our era when we won the World Series, just like one of the best players. So mm. when when that happened, I think it was last year. Last year, yeah. I got so pissed off. Because it's just some fucking asshole who it probably is a terrible person anyway. But what he's doing is he's he's not representing real Philly sports fans because we're passionate. We're not assholes, Mm -hmm. but he's just being a dick. And he's just anytime anything bad happens, it's going to reflect back on the fan base. Yeah, I totally disagree with that. It was one guy who threw like an aluminum Bud Light. Yeah. Yeah. Onto the field. But see, here's what I want to say about that, too. And this is just me speaking from a Philly fan perspective. That that probably happens in other situations. Like people throw things on the field. They throw things at players. Sometimes they're drunk, like whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't really hear about it because they're not Philly. Right. But it okay. happens. Okay. okay. But when it happens in our case, which it doesn't happen every game. It happens like one that happened once and ha- I've never heard of that happening for five years. Okay. But it happens, but they magnify it because they just want to. Because the media wants to continue to feed this Philly fan. That Philly fan base isn't that great of a fan base. Right. And the only time we've really thrown things in like this, and I'm sure this is what you're thinking of when you say throw things at fans, is snowballs at Santa Claus, right? (laughs) Is that what you're talking about? You threw snowballs at Santa Claus. No, I, I just, are you guys, you threw snowballs? Philly, is that cold? So listen, so, well, that's where the whole throwing things at fans, or throwing things, sorry, at um, Philly fans throwing things comes from. But, okay, so we threw an aluminum. So some guy, I will not even own that guy because that guy was drunk and he was stupid. And he just had probably had a bad day and he's probably a mean person. Um, But we get this reputation for being dicks. And where it comes from originally, um, one of the things where it comes from is throwing snowballs at Santa Claus. This happened in the (laughs) 1970s and it happened at a Philadelphia Phillies game. Okay. And. 
it happened because that's what I thought you were referring to, like th- us throwing things. But I'll just say real quick, it happened because. Santa Claus, the real Santa Claus, not the real, real North Pole one, but the one that was supposed to play Santa Claus at the halftime, or no, no, not halftime, seventh inning stretch, I guess it was, <laughs> whatever he was supposed to do, um, didn't show up. <laughs> so somebody gave the authority, because they were like, we need Santa Claus, because it was like around Christmas time or something. So like, they gave the authority to some kid, and he, some kid raised his hand, and he's like, I'll do it. <laughs> so they're like, fine, just play Santa Claus, like do the whole thing. Well, so then um, he got really drunk. <laughs> And he was, like, mocking the fans, like, drunk, like, falling over. So people started throwing things at him because they were like, you're, you're, being, you're being a terrible Santa Claus. And you're, right. it's like you're mocking us. And we were losing, like, really bad that game. So that guy got quoted saying afterwards, he was like, you know what? I was such a drunk asshole. Um, I shouldn't have done it. And he said, and I was like, just making a mockery of the fans, of myself. And so they started throwing things at me because they're like, boo. Right, right. And he's like, you know, I would have thrown things at me too. And the way I feel about it is that guy's lucky we didn't throw a fucking tire iron at him for, <laughs> right for being a dick. So so that's like where it originally comes from. Philly um, doesn't play. I see Philly doesn't yes. play. And I have to make mention, so we've got our uh, third co-host, Kelly the Bulldog, who always makes an appearance about midway through the podcast because she must be known. I like um, Kelly the Bulldog. She's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, she's she's missed me. She missed me for all of five seconds. She was sweet when I was in London. Now she's just barking at nothing. Um, so if it continues, uh, she's going to have to get put in timeout. But anyway, that's where it comes from, is us... You know, there's always a story, but the right. media wants to shape things the way they want to shape it. So, right, right. you know... Yeah, so I think that there's a, a stigma about, you know, Philly fans, but we can yeah, we could talk all night about that. But I do I have always appreciated Oakland fans because they're very passionate fans. And yes. I think that's the similarity. I think one of the things with the Oakland Raiders over the years, actually, they were pretty good. They've been pretty good in the last two, three years this past yes. season they were good. Yes. I think it's been a franchise issue though, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was uh you know, the ownership, um, the transfer of ownership, you know, Al Davis being an elderly gentleman. You know, I know he was uh he was a great businessman. Uh but you know, at the end of the day it's all about money. And then when everything went over to Mark Davis, um And they had that transition. It was a tough couple of years, but it's funny because the transition I've seen a lot of these fans because I go up there and um, I did a movie and we were in Oakland for like 10 weeks. Um, So I've become an A's fan. I'm pretty much a transplant uh, Oakland fan just Mm -hmm. due to just doing uh, Moneyball. um, You were in Moneyball? Yes, I was I in money. I did not ball. know that. See I, see, I have something better than the comedy. Like, I've done oh other stuff. You know, so I was what, wait, what role did you play in Moneyball? I love that movie. I, tell you, I played Terrence Long, the center fielder. Holy shit. So this whole time, I didn't even know that you did Moneyball. And I've actually talked about Moneyball so many times on the podcast before. Really? Yeah, because I just loved... Like the the science behind the formulas that they were using, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I mean I I love sports, but we actually uh, interviewed a sports analyst um, a couple of podcasts ago, and we talked about Moneyball okay. because we that podcast in particular was about the analytics mm-hmm. behind how teams make decisions and what is the winning formula and. What do the Patriots do that are different than what the Oakland Raiders do and all that sort of thing? (laughs) Cheat. So they say. Cheat. So they say. I I do love Tom Brady as a quarterback, though, but we're talking about 
but you know, I like to analyze. Wait, do you love him as a hunk or a quarterback? No, 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 no. I I am a Philly fan, and Philly fans don't necessarily love New England. Okay, but I think he is a really smart quarterback because you know, just watching quarterbacks, especially Philly quarterbacks over the years, and seeing which ones sustain over time. I just love the fact that he is a fucking quarterback that knows how to call an audible because Philly's never really had one and <laughs> since <laughs> I've been born you know what I mean? we might have yeah. invented the running quarterback that might be a bold statement oh, yeah. no you have but <laughs> we've never been able to have a quarterback that could really read a defense like Tom Brady and the time and amount of effort that he puts into like looking at tapes and first first in last out the work right. ethic and <laughs> when you look at the draft and he the fact that he was not a first round pick mm-hmm. and then you put stack him up next to like a Cam Newton or somebody that's physically just a beast and went so much earlier than him and the success that he's had I mean Deflategate what maybe the, the Bill Belichick reading the other people's mouths but he, they still he still wins yeah, he he wins, you know. But I'm I'm just a sour grape. I'm a Raider fan. Yeah, you know, you're the, a Brady fan, or you're not. Yeah, and that's yeah, just the, it, you know. But the, but the Tuck rule is just the 2000. What was it? 2003 or 2002 when the Tuck rule was invented? You know, we were going to the Super Bowl that year, and I just remember watching that game and sitting down at a friend of mine's house and he just had a newborn baby and I just erupted and I woke up his baby and I'm like, nah, that's some bullshit. That's a, that's a fumble, you know, yeah. and that's, that's, that was our downfall. That's where that started the, the Raider downfall, <laughs> you know, but I want to say this though about Randall Cunningham. I was going to say it earlier. He was Michael Vick before Michael Vick. Absolutely. Yes. I say that all the time yes. and I, it was interesting to me and I always thought, how come there's not more people like him? Because before Vic came along, there was a good stretch of time uh-huh. in between Cunningham and Vic where you didn't really see that type of quarterback. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And I always sort of wondered why, just because that's who I grew up watching. Yeah, but, they, they, but the purists, they want like the quarterback to stay in the pocket you know they they're not comfortable with seeing their quarterback leave the pockets where he can get injured that's why you know johnny johnny menzel he's he's once he gets his act together and he gets back in the league and he gets another chance i think he'll be an effective quarterback because he he's not afraid to leave the pocket do you think he'll actually make it back though i, I think he will and now that Carr got this huge contract i think Carr is going to try to take him under the wing and then we'll have him uh car and uh, football, uh, Manziel as our backup, you know, yeah. just as like a, a tutelage thing, and he might get traded to go somewhere else. But I, I think he's a star. I think you know he he has a once he gets his his youthful stuff out of the way, he'll he'll be okay. Man, I couldn't stand him when he was in college in Texas, and I couldn't stand him, <laughs> and I especially couldn't stand him um, after all those reports that he is like. You know, I don't know, beating his girlfriend or something. Yeah, now that yeah, that stuff right there. You know, but alcohol and, and and substance abuse and different things, and you just don't know yourself. You know, you have millions of dollars at a young age, and yeah. you've always had people cater to you every need, and then you're a kid that's telling grown folks what to do. You know, it's just he he just has to come down off of that. You know, yeah, and maybe he had. To, it's just like anything else. You know, maybe sometimes when you're in that position. You, if you're allowed a second chance, it's because you have to hit, like sort of hit rock bottom first. Oh yeah, and yeah. you know, right size what your values are and get your shit together. Yeah, and actually, it's kind of a similar situation with Vic. If yeah. you think about it, you know, yeah. Yeah. I actually, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Philly fan. I am obviously a dog lover, and I totally 
thought he was a cocky asshole when he played for the Falcons. And no matter the fact that he was a good football player, but when he got in trouble and he came back and started playing football again, I watched everything he had to say. I read his body language. I saw the, the areas where he dedicated his time when he wasn't you know, on the field. I saw his work ethic mm-hmm. as compared to his lack of work ethic in Atlanta. And I really felt like this guy is getting a second chance and he deserves it. He means it. Mm-hmm. He grew up in an environment kind of with what you're saying mm-hmm. where his his value system and everything he knew was based on friends friends and yeah. family and yeah. how he was raised. And you are a product of your environment. Yeah. And when he finally got to a point where he, he had to hit rock bottom being in jail and everything and realized this isn't right. I really think that he took the right path and that was like his second chance. Mm-hmm. And I think if Manzel, I'm relating it back to him. I think if he can get to that place where he actually becomes a good person, I would totally love to see that because everybody likes a comeback kid. Right. But you, you know, it's real humbling to be sitting at home when your team or your ex team is, is on the field and you're watching from home or you're in a bar, you know, and you're in a bar and people are sitting next to you like, Hey man, aren't you? so? (laughs) So it's just, you know, it's tough. Just like, um, uh, the gentleman that's playing, uh, baseball now, um, I'm, I'm terrible. Tebow? Yeah, Tim Tebow, you mm-hmm. know, in, in, in his situation. And a lot of people gave him, you know, they gave him shit about that. And it's like, yeah. no, let it, let the guy fulfill what he needs. If I could go from baseball to play in soccer, if I can cook a, kick a ball 100 yards, do you think I would not try my luck at soccer? No, I would. You know, yeah. so it's like give Tebow a shot. You know, he's a good guy. I've, I've met the guy before. He's... He, he's not one of these fake guys that's just running around talking about he's this holier than thou or right. whatever. He lives his he talk. He means it. Yeah. yeah. I would say I, I've always <laughs> been on the Tebow train. Mm-hmm. I have. I loved watching him when he played for, who was it? Was it the Seahawks? Uh, no, uh, I'm sorry. Denver Broncos. Oh, the, or the Broncos, rather. When the donkeys. He, when, he, when he had to uh, <laughs> play, when he was back up and he had to be, he had to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, that was for the Broncos, yes, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. I don't know why. You know what? I'm getting mixed up. I get my own um, alma mater guy mixed up. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Charlie Whitehurst. Uh, okay. okay. When he was a backup quarterback for the Seahawks. That's, okay. Because okay. he had to play in the playoffs for them. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. My brain is a little like still jet lag right he's now. Not a, but he's not a slouch either. No, he's not a slouch. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, um, they, you know, they call him Clipboard Jesus. <laughs> Actually, he has the best job if you think about it. He's mostly sat the bench for however many years, making mm-hmm. the league probably uh, over the league minimum or yeah. close to it, but still like half a mil to a mil like more whatever yeah just not getting hurt just sitting there (laughs) always able to be like a real fresh guy you can throw in right um old at this point for a quarterback but still i think he's still in the league i think (laughs) yeah i I believe he is but i that name is very familiar and it's like you know being a tenured yeah yeah okay being 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 a tenured backup guy you know it's like you come in for one play you don't have to get injured you collect your money go home that's it that's why they call him clipboard jesus because he grew his hair real long and he's always looking at the clipboard (laughs) right in case he he gets thrown into a game but going back to tebow i just i i loved him ever since that game where he um it was the ugliest quarterbacking I've ever seen, but and I think he was like his stat. Okay, I, these are the, these stats are wrong, but I think 
he was like two for 14 in that game that they won when he was um, Broncos. Yeah. Oh, backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might have been two for 14 or two for seven yeah, or yeah, something. It was, it was bad. Something awful. Yeah, it was bad. And then every and every, then the two passes like he did complete were like it looked like my mom threw them. Something terrible. <laughs> but they won the game and it was almost like the same story for when he played in college where it's like you don't know how he's doing it, but right. it's like happening. So I think that's something to believe in. I think one day, if he has, especially if he has success in baseball, who, who remains to be seen, he'll be like, you know, Rudy in a movie or something. Right? <laughs> no, you didn't just call him Rudy. Well, no. he's already better than Rudy because Rudy had one tackle. Right. That was and it. Everybody it made. They made a movie, oh, and everybody right. cried. They, they hoisted him up on the show. I mean, I watched the movie recently, and I cried, and I'm like, why am I crying? This guy made one tackle. That's you know, it. and that's it. Like, right. you know, come on. But um, but getting back to just like, you know, having a value system and, you know, I think Manziel and Tebow, they're not even in the same playing field. So hopefully Manziel can like get to a place where he does value football. He does value yeah. himself and he leads, you know, with, uh, he leads by example, because a lot of these guys are figureheads. They're who your kids look up to. Yeah. And if your kids are Raider fans, you don't want them looking up to some dude yeah, who's the old man's out right you know yeah, you want him yeah. looking up to somebody who like believes in what they do and who has you know a value system yeah. that they follow and all yeah. that sort of thing yeah um and so i want to i want to talk more about you though and your past in baseball because obviously okay. you're you know um you know you made it to the minor leagues and then you've coached right uh-huh. and yes. You, you play baseball at a competitive level for for ho- however competitively that you can play at this level, right? <laughs> yes, like, yes. but still, I've seen some of you guys. You guys play. You're awesome. I mean, f- you. to be, to to put yourself out there at this, at, you know, and have like this camaraderie with with guys who have played and have this past. Like, you have a real love and history in baseball, and you know, I want to hear more about that. Like, how did you get in? How did you get to that level? Like, what what? I don't know how to really ask that uh, question. Just start. No, no it's, it's perfect. You know, it's it's just um, it just shows you anything is life, you know, but baseball is really life. Um, it's a repetitive sport. You have to to really work at the same thing over and over and over to get it down subconsciously so that you can kind of just do it without even thinking, right. you know, and it's, it's, it's like golf. It's, it's very challenging, but it's, it just taught me a lot about life. You know, it's one of those things that trans transitions, like they say, baseball is life and nothing is ever easy, you know, and right. that's the one thing I learned. And, and I, I didn't grow up in the greatest situation. You know, I'm not going to put all my, my personal out there. That'll be an, another show, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but it, it's just, you know, I, I grew up, um, in a, in the inner city, you know, mm-hmm. Inglewood, California, um, and baseball or sports was like really what I knew. And right. my dad played professional baseball. My grandfather played professional baseball. My uncle played. Well, he, he didn't play professional baseball, but he played football for USC. Mm-hmm. So it's like we, we had a, a sports lineage. So it was like it was kind of expected of me. Right. And um, so I just fell in line, you know. But at the same time, I was always like the kid that was always inquisitive about how to make money or, you know, how to get this or about real estate. You know, I was always like business minded. Um, as well as a kid that was on Ritalin, you know, I was I, before ADD is so popular, you know, it's just like they couldn't understand, like, why are you just so kinetic and always moving? Right. You know, and, and sports just kept me honed, you know, and I wasn't great at basketball. I was just a rebounder, not a great shooter. Um, 
football i just didn't like getting hit i, I didn't like that whole aspect of it so understandable <laughs> yes very you know and um but baseball was always that thing that i i just knew automatically you know and i knew i was better than everybody that you know we would play at a churchyard every day and i would hit the ball over three gates and they're like wow. how do you do that and i'm like I, I don't know i just know how to do it you know so growing into uh growing through being a young man you know a kid into uh adulthood now it's always been about team it's always been about right. nine guys or however many guys are on that bench and and that's how i relate to business i'm in you know professional ball baseball it sent me to ucla to be able to get my real estate license um i went to uh, extension to be, be able to just take advantage of the money that they gave me right. um so when i got injured it wasn't like it was like the, the last thing like oh my god life is over you mm -hmm. know it, was, it, it wasn't that it was like okay what do i do um and i didn't want to be the 35 year old guy just trying to still play in the minor leagues or whatever so I said you know what I'm gonna give it one more shot I turned myself into a pitcher uh threw about 92 but I couldn't throw a strike and that's the most important thing <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so important it's very important you know but I was a lefty and, and you know they kept asking me Marv you sure you want to do this you don't want to hit you know and I went to spring training with the Dodgers twice and um so once they once I got I, I got released on that situation, I was I was OK with everything, yeah. you know, and, and I moved forward with my life. And uh, but all the lessons and all the people that I met, you know, they've I see them now and they 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 surprise me with what they say to me, to my kids. And they're like, you know what? Your dad was a hard worker. And I, I just thought I was just doing my thing. You know, yeah. but a lot of people, they, they respected me just because of my work ethic. I was the first one there, last one to leave. Um, but just all of the friendships and, and just the camaraderie. That's why with the gays, it's like, you know. And I've played with a lot of amateur teams, you know, and a lot of, you know, some guys there, they'll be dickheads, you know, and, yeah. and they, but they've never played the game. And a lot of the guys with the gays, they've played the game. But even on a comedy level, like with with Laz and he played in college, I believe, in high school. But just to see people just love what they do mm -hmm. is is way beyond the baseball aspect of it it's just like you love what i do i love what i do you know and, right. and when you when you fall in love with baseball you see like i said all the aspects of life all wrapped around it and you could take that off the field you know we just play on sundays one day a week so you take that and you you go on to your week and you wait for next sunday but during that week you you, you take some of these lessons you're like okay i don't need to take that because if i can hit three balls out of ten i'm a, i'm a success you know right. so um <clears throat> Even with Andy, you know, I know he's going in there. He's busting his hump trying to really get this show off the ground. And I know he's hearing no's, but baseball probably has equipped him like, no, okay. I'm, I'm just waiting for those three yeses or those three leads to get me going. I, I really love that um, analogy. And I've, uh, because I think, you know, being an athlete has, you know, at whatever level I was talking to um to podcast ago with my friend Jenna Brister who was on the podcast and she um her story was that she wasn't a very good baseball player softball player but that is actually what got her into comedy and thank god that she got into comedy because she's an amazing comedian mm -hmm. and she, but she talked about the same aspects of like being on a team um, and maybe she in her case wasn't like the most athletic, but she still got sort of the same thing that you're talking about mm -hmm. from it. And I, I, I think if you're an athlete, you and you grow up even as from a, you know, the time that you can start playing sports, even when I played T-ball and I was rejected because I, you know, <laughs> couldn't hit the ball like fucking Sean it's could, whatever. Right. No, but it, it teaches you about life and it helps, it helps you develop these life skills. And 
it's not okay that I think in some cases you hear about all these kids teams getting a trophy even if they lose like it's not okay to put a kid at a certain position if he's not the right kid for that position or he or she or not doing the work I think because when I grew up, none, none of that stuff existed. Mm-hmm. You don't get a trophy. You didn't get any special extras. <laughs> right. But it taught me. It, it teaches you how to like take rejection. Right. It teaches you, but how to keep going. It, and I think it's so important to have that to have a couple failures in your life and know that, like, hey, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to to be doing what you're doing. Right. You just have to fail sometimes, or you have to be told no. But maybe being an athlete helps. Um, prepare you for that if it, that's fair no no it, it does because it was funny because the because the first thing that when I realized how important um, having some self esteem was was when you hear 5,000 people boo you and wanting to you to do bad and that was my first year in the minor leagues and it was kind of you an, got booed. Oh yeah, no, we were we were in a, um, we were in uh, Dansville. We were playing the Braves, and it was our first away game. And I, I just got called up to short season A because I was injured with my back injury. Finally healed. Well, I thought I was healed. Um, got there, and I mean, first game in the series, and I get into the box, and I'm hearing five thousand people boo me, and I was just like, I had to step out. And oh I was, my gosh. yeah, and I was taken back. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't want me to succeed? But what clicked into me was, oh, I'm going to show you right now. I'm going to show you exactly who I am. And that's when I I understood, like, what all of it was about. You know, it's like you got to come overcome adversity. Mm -hmm. I was playing in the South. I had people just throwing my the change in my hand when I go into a store. They wouldn't even, you know, want to touch me, you know, like. But I could respect them because I knew where they stood emotionally about my race, my color or whatever. And it was okay. Wait, so you actually felt like. What year was this? Uh, this was All in right. 96, 1996. In, in 96? 96. You were, like, experiencing racism in Atlanta? Like, oh, Well, actually, I wasn't in Atlanta. I was in Bristol, Tennessee. I was in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Um, I was People pretty were, much, like, throwing stuff at you? Not really throwing, but, I'm, I mean, just tossing it back on the counter. Like, you know, I hand it to you. You toss it back to me with pennies, quarters, and everything. And, yeah. you know, and I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm from L.A., so I'm like uh give me my money back and they're giving me five ones and i'm like no give me my five dollar bill back and the guys that are pretty much from that area they're from the south they're like marv we we don't we don't do stuff like that down here i'm like well i'm from la man i i don't everybody's everybody here he's like well at least you know here and 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 that's what my roomies told me he's like at least you know here where they stand so just leave it alone and i'm like okay (laughs) it's sad though i mean that that's a sad thing to hear that that was still happening in the 90s but i guess we'd be like pulling like the wool over our eyes if we didn't think that was still oh yeah down down south you know it's it's a little it's a little bit of a time war definitely well i went to college in south carolina so so you know oh Oh, yeah yeah. definitely i mean not not to switch gears but i it it does relate to sports to some degree because you know i grew up uh, outside of philadelphia Mm -hmm. and i you know i would say in my high school like you know White was probably the majority, but ma- but not by much, you uh-huh. know. And we uh-huh. had all different races, and I never knew about racism until right. I went to college. Right. And the only reason I, I knew about it was through my own general observation, because I noticed that primarily all the all the black people that went to my school were 
were, were football players or sports players. Mm-hmm. But I also noticed that they wouldn't interact with me. Mm-hmm. And I came from a place where that was not the case. I like right. learned very or like completely unaware of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was very like culturally shocking to me how the South was about different races and what the Confederate flag stood for. Oh, and, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's interesting because I'm Jewish and I'm from New Jersey and I was also um, felt really it was actually my very first um, time going to a party. It was like my first week of school. And I got into an argument with a guy about the Civil War. And I'm like, what kind of, what kind of <laughs> right. nerd is even talking about the Civil War? But they're living it, though. But they, they said the South won the Civil War. This guy did. And I said, uh, excuse me, sir. And I thought I was just making friends. I'm like, did you know the North actually won? Well, who come to find out, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that in the South. And, they, and people would call me a Yankee. Um, yeah. I actually got dumped by my very first boyfriend because I was from New Jersey and his father was a senator for South Carolina. Right, yeah. So I was talking to somebody about this and I'm like, but the level of, of how, um, I, I hate to use this word, but segregated yeah. it still was between black and white people um, when I went to school and where I was. I'm like, you know, I'm a white girl talking about seg- being discriminated against. Based on the the level of discrimination mm-hmm. um, against different races, there people are going to be like, "Oh, fuck yourself." We don't feel bad for you, <laughs> right? But it, it, but it was but it was good that that happened to me. Yeah, it, it felt it was hard because it was like you know a small degree mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. of being discriminated against. But it, I think, it just helped further create awareness of, yeah. about the world. Yeah, you know. And I just watched this really good documentary too about. Um, uh, I'm gonna. I hope I don't even say it wrong. I just watched it. Uh, t- two days ago, I am not your Negro uh, documentary. I, not, I just watched that yesterday. Oh my god, I watched I just it two watched days. Watched it yesterday, and it yeah. just reminded me of that. It's yeah. it's amazing. Uh, isn't that yeah. not one it, it of the best? It, it was it was it was very poignant because it's like like we're saying, we're, and we'll keep it sports related, you know, because there, there's enough race and and stuff talks, you know, going on right now. Right. But, you know, just playing professional sports, you see the difference. You know, you see that when you walk into a place because I never left. California, uh, Los Angeles, in my neighborhood, let alone um, besides Vegas and maybe Tijuana, right. but not like going to the South. And I was very excited. I loved it there. But the funniest part about it is all of the people in the cities that I've went to, I always won them over. And the biggest thing they would always say was, your, your kind you're you're different. I'm like, well, no, I'm not different. You're just giving me an opportunity because I, you know, because I'm close to you. Your kids right. are coming to the games. They're watching. I'm going out and playing catch with your kid during, you know, on on my off day, you right. know, and I'm I'm making this effort to show you or just not even show you, just to be me, you know. Right. And and, and I want a lot of people over, you know, and and hopefully that's where my legacy is in these small towns because now they're like, well, damn, okay, um, black people aren't all that bad you know and you know so it's it's just the 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 racial relations baseball always brings people together yeah and it's a common thread you know you're sitting in that stadium and i and i and i appreciate everything jackie robinson all these guys before us did because they had to pay way harder you know uh how can i say way harder dues in this than i did yeah so so everything that that we've gone through you know I, i took it with a grain of salt because words are 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 nothing they just roll off of your back but it just motivated me to really go out and do my best and and be a good example for the city where i came from and show them like hey we 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 belong here that's awesome and i think that is an important you know because you said 
sports and baseball is life and it relates to every you know it relates to a lot of different things and so when you talk about like racism and race issues i mean that that's a that's something that completely like that's your experience mm-hmm. and i and it's something that exists mm-hmm. and one of the, just going back real quick to the documentary like one of the things that i love that the documentary points out and you kind of already know this but it really puts it in your face to know make sure you know this is you can turn a blind eye and you can pretend like it's not happening, but it is happening, mm-hmm. and it's happening at varying levels even today. And so to be able to talk about um, a lot of the things and you see different moves being made, like Ka- I hate bringing up the Kaepernick thing, but like mm-hmm. with the Kaepernick thing and race, well, well, does what he did contribute to the problem or the solution versus what you're talking about and what you did contribute to the problem or the solution and i would i would say that contributing to the solution is all we need to be doing and all we need to be talking about so i i think it's something to bring up and to talk about and i think it's it's um i don't know it that documentary for me made me feel like i never want to watch anything else on tv again because then greece came on after that i was like this (laughs) this is fake no one was happy during this time throw this stupid movie away these problems aren't real so 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 just imagine i'm i'm back in school you know because i'm i'm going to get my engineering degree um i'm actually a real estate agent going into the telecom profession for invest is it investors dream is it called yes investors dream well that's that's the real estate side um but but i'm going into uh telecom so what i'll be doing is uh doing site acquisition for uh cell phone companies with you know these little towers that you see being mm-hmm. built with that are trees or monopoles um it's still a a, a real estate related type of uh uh business so i got into that so anyway so investors dream you know it's like i'm like i'm saying I, i'm getting into a whole different industry uh went back to school and me going back to school i have to take history i have to take all of these classes mm-hmm. and it's reigniting like all the understanding of like re- really happened back in those days mm-hmm. you know and and to now see that okay everything that i do um and that's where my uh the telecom situation is because i want to train young men that are that are getting taken out of the prison system early because now they're just dumping people on the street yep. i want to teach them how to sustain themselves how to invest how to buy a home, how to fix their credit, you know, so it's like you have this small opportunity to make a difference, you know, yeah. and, and you spoke about Ka- Colin Kaepernick and and I think he did what he needed to do. You know, mm-hmm. he needed to make a stance, just like when LeBron, you know, they, they spray painted his house and, you know, he's 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 a well-known athlete. But right. you have to let it be known that, hey, this is what's going on. You right. know, this is what's going on. This is what we have to deal with as black athletes, you know, right. because everywhere that I went in the South playing as a black athlete, if it wasn't in my oh well, I mean, even in, in my home uh, stadium, I was called a nigger. And I'll just say it straight up. And even from the guys in my clubhouse or whatever that were from the south but like i said by the time they got to know me at the end of the day they had to say you know what i was wrong about you you know yeah and 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 that's the that's the that's the greatest part about sports is team can give you an understanding of someone that you wouldn't even have imagined you know what they've gone through or who they are or whatever white black because i didn't know anyone from the south so getting their perspective of life and how um time warped they lived in like you said in the south one and when i had that conversation with my roommate is who was from 
Fayetteville, 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 Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas. Mm. He was a Razorback and everything. And he just, you know, and we would sit up and talk and he's like, Marv, I've been so wrong. And, you know, and it took sports to get us to that point, you know, to, to get on an equal. And we became the best of friends. And even his mom came down. She didn't even want to shake my hand. He had to, wow. she had to look at her, his, her son and he, she said, Mom, he's a good guy. Don't worry about it. And how did that make you feel in that moment? It, 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 it was devastating at mm-hmm. the same time, but it was kind of liberating because it was like, man, this guy, so this is where he comes from. And he's making that move to say, no, this, th- no, we're not even going to, I'm not dealing with that anymore. Right. You know, so it, it was, it was big. It was big. And I saw it then. And in a way, what it reminds me of on a smaller scale is what they say at the end of the documentary, just because we're talking about, you know, these things that you experienced and we brought up the documentary is he says at the end, when people can go back and ask themselves why, then we'll know how, what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. And in small examples of where you change people's minds, they pro- that's an example of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what that, you know, what comes to mind for me. And I think that's kind of moving. And it has to make you feel good because, like you said, it's liberating. You know, you have to ask yourself why. And, and when you, and in your case, it's like with the mother, you know, it's like, well, I don't know why, <laughs> right? but now it doesn't matter anymore, right? Right. you know, and that's awesome. And I, and I hope that's what the future looks like. And when you talk about, um, I, I think it's so honorable to, to work with people that have come out of prison. I, I have actually, um, done a, spent a lot of time, um, on just educating myself and being exposed to one of the biggest social problems that we have in America, which is the prison system and people being, um, bouncing in and out of prison. And what you, um, in, in your case, I, I was curious if you had ever heard of an organization called homeboy industries. Yes, definitely. So I, um, so cause, so what homeboy does is they are like a gang rehabilitation, Mm -hmm. um, center and they work with, um, you know, Post, uh, uh, they work with um, people released from the jail. Yeah, population I was trying to figure and, out yeah. how to articulate it, yeah. and they mm-hmm. help them mm-hmm. have life skills and mm-hmm. get jobs and yes. things like that. And yes. it sounds like something along the lines of like what you're yes. working to do, which I think is yes. so important. Um, and I'm I'm working. I'm actually working on a part of that system, but it's earlier where. I'm getting involved with um, a charity called IOW, which is Inside Outriders. Okay. And what they do is they go into the correctional facility in um, in East LA and work with, like, I'm going to be a, a, a teacher, an English teacher, um, in the correctional facility for kids who have been bouncing in and out of the system who are mostly gang-related because now there's problems with kids being tried as adults. Right, um, right. And it's actually worse than ever before. Our yeah. system takes 13-year-old kids and tries them as adults and then now they're sentenced to like life or they're sentenced to a life as a as an adult as an adult yeah like yeah and that's their life and in most cases all it does is take one person to show them like that they are meant to to be somebody that they do something great something you know a lot of them grew up without fathers Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of what IOW does is it, it is it helps these kids express themselves mm-hmm. through writing. Right. And so as I'm oh, a, wow. you know I'm That's a writer nice. and I write comedy, but I write other things too. But mm-hmm. I for me, seeing like the problems that you're talking about, I think it's about getting them before they even go to yeah. prison yeah. and trying to prevent that. And so IOW has 
a, a very good um, percentage of um, no. I always say this word wrong. Uh, Recidivism. Recidivism. (laughs) (laughs) Where they don't go back to prison. Yeah, Yeah. that's our that's our goal. Yeah, Yeah, so I mean, anyway, you're working on. No, I need then I need you because you know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, that's the that's the main goal because I've been working with kids since I was uh, actually when I even when I was in the game in the off season I would Mm -hmm. work with kids I would coach and I would do just uh, private instruction but now I'm a high school baseball coach. Um, but, you know, you really have to catch these young men and, and ladies at, at an early age yeah. because, you know, it's just um, they're looking for something to grasp onto. They're looking for someone to say, hey, you 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 mean something to the world. Yeah. You know? And and with uh, the way music is right now and, and film and all these different outlets that they have and they just hear all this poison, um, you know, sports. And, and I would love to get them the sports, Robin. Not everyone is, a, is an athlete. Yeah. You know, so you. You have to kind of corral them in a different way. And and what better way than to teach them self-esteem, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the biggest thing. Um, my, my nonprofit organization we just formed, it's pro, P-R-O, um, purpose, responsibility, and opportunity. Um, it's something that's going to help build self-esteem. Uh, like I said, the, the credit worthiness and teaching them how to pay their bills and all of those things. But it's just it's just giving them an opportunity because I, I had the opportunity. My dad worked. He slaved like a dog, you know, just driving a truck just so I wouldn't. I, I went to junior college, um, but it was still money to go to junior college he paid for my college you know so I had an opportunity my Mm -hmm. dad gave me the opportunity he said hey if you're going to take life serious and you know you see this opportunity you have in front of you uh, if you take it, I'll take care of you. Not every kid has that, and it's no. it's la- yeah, and it's Latino, black. It's it's everyone. It's not just the black population. It's uh, people of color, you right. know. And um, so anything that I can do and and use my professional credentials because people do look at you like, oh man, you play professional baseball. Okay, I play minor league baseball, but it's always a door that opens up for people to know like, okay, if you can do it, and you say you're from Inglewood, and you you went through this and you went through that, then maybe I have a chance, you know. Right. Yeah. So if you give someone a spark, you know, just a little spark and, and then the fire will just blaze from there. I totally agree with that. And what you're talking about is like a, something that's near and dear to my heart because I went through this leadership course for like two years and the state or pr- through private donorship um, basically donated money. So 24 people per year can go through this. It's very hard to get into. It's based on agriculture because I, okay. I worked for a long time in agriculture. But okay. like I, it's basically it basically cost fifty thousand dollars for me to be in it i didn't pay a dime um per person and they they took us on capitol hill they Hmm. exposed us to all these issues and and we went all throughout the state we went to different parts of the country we went to brazil for three months or not three months what am i saying three weeks (laughs) not three months but learned about how they run their actually interestingly enough um how they run the country and my what i gained was slavery ended a lot later there Mm -hmm. but when it ended this is nobody told me this. This is just what I felt. There was no segregation, and now, even though there, and now people, when we were there, they were asking these questions. Like we went to these things called quilombos, which are mm-hmm. um, former slave camps, and we were asking, how come every you know race relations, everyone's so much more welcoming of each other, and mm-hmm. so much uh, it, everyone's so united, and they didn't really have the answer. And I just said. I just kind of raised my hand and said, well, no segregation. Hmm. Like we, that's the biggest problem that we had. Like they, it's not about slavery. It's about segregation going back to what before, but, but anyways, the biggest social issue that I, what just like 
just like rocked my world was our problems with prisons and how much money we're investing in, you know, in in prisons versus education. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a big business. It's a big business. I was I was shocked to find out that we believe in. I mean, just so many things. We could just this could go on forever. But shocked to find out that we pay so much money for um, execution at the prison level, and it actually hasn't happened since like the seventies. I, I walked on death row at San Quentin, right. and wow. and just like learned all about that. But the for me, the bigger thing was learning. I had to read um, a couple books. Um, and one of them, oh gosh, now I can't tattoos on the from on the heart and always running. And these were two books about um, these um, these Latinos that um, came into America and how this system wasn't built for them. And it's mm-hmm. specifically in Southern California mm-hmm. um, to live. Mm-hmm. And they, it taught me all about why gangs exist, mm-hmm. why there's problems, all about Southern California, and then where we're at now yeah. and I'm like oh my god if I could just wave a magic wand we could just fix these fix problems it all, because right. it's so stupid <laughs> but it made me further annoyed with just government and how America was built and where they put their money and resources and I strongly believe like the biggest problem is is not giving resources to people of minority right. and also not giving proper um having proper facilities for children and mm-hmm. you can't raise a child for you know for the parents but you can give them resources so that they have one person mm-hmm. that you know and I think look at what a lot of movies are based on even like I had one person who believed in me and I lived out my full potential right. or I went down the wrong road and then I came back and right. I was a comeback story so anyways what you're doing I I, I commend you for that because and i'd love to offline learn more about it because it's just a area where anybody who's in you know who's philanthropic should put their time for sure yeah it's it's one of those things that um it, it definitely uh how can i say it's um it's unrewarded you know it's yeah. a, it's a path that you know people don't want to help other people it's 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 sad but you have to really dig to find the people that do and it's it's really always grassroots organizations right. different things that where you just say you have one like you're saying one person that says I want to help. And they build this big, huge organization that helps maybe three, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 people. But, you know, given 40, 50,000 people jobs, that's mm-hmm. changing 40, 50,000 lives and Hell generations, yeah. you know. So it's just, you know, the, the, the and I always bring it back to sports. You know, it's it's me having that that team effort. And, and sometimes people will look at you like, what are you trying to get out of this? I'm like, I'm not trying to get anything out of this. I'm trying to give you an opportunity that I had, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, you know, did you have your mom and dad? No, I didn't have my mom and dad in the house. Well, did you have this? No, I didn't have this. Did you ever do anything wrong? Yes, I did. But did I get caught? No, I was just a little bit, I can't say <laughs> smarter, but you know, savvy. I, yeah, I was savvy. You know, I, I just didn't do things to the level of getting caught, but right. you know, it's, it's, um, sometimes it's not about not getting caught caught it's just like what can you do to just stay away from the whole situation right you know and every, everything right now and it's sad that it's it's race driven even with sports everything like with the Kaepernick thing it's all about race but you know everyone has their right to stand up for who they are Absolutely. you know 
know, and, and for their culture and, and, and give a, a take on like, hey, this is what we're going through. And, and especially with Kaepernick. And um, I was proud of him, actually. And I hate the 49ers. I'm not a 49er fan <laughs> Well, because you're an Oakland fan. I'm an Oakland damn fan. right. If you, if you even said, I kind of like the Niners and you wouldn't be a real Oakland fan. I wouldn't be a real Oakland yeah. fan. You know, I don't like the battery chucks. So I, I just keep them, you know, at that. But um, but Kaepernick, the, the stance that he took, it was very, very uh, poignant at our time. Yeah. Um, you know, pre preemptive that we went into, you know, Trump being president. And, um, you know, I, I just hope the best for everything for this country. It doesn't yeah. matter if it was Trump, Obama, whoever, you know, whoever gets in. Um, just do the right thing for the people. Well, you know, I and I agree with that. And, and I have to say my mind, not just today, but before this has been slowly being changed because I've had some really strong opinions, especially on the podcast about the Kaepernick thing. And I really was against it at first, not because of what it stood for, but because of the results it produced, if it was mm-hmm. effective. Because mm-hmm. I always think like, you know, you see all these like rants on Facebook that people are saying right. stuff. And I kind of felt like that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was like, does this contribute to the problem? Or does it contribute to the solution? Is it changing minds, or is it making people more angry? So see it. So see it like this. Angrier, I should You're say. Angrier, but but see it like this. The one image that you can always think of that gives you the understanding of a people just kind of standing up for themselves is mm-hmm. that picture in the Olympics, and I don't know their names of the brothers holding up their fists. Yeah. yeah. S- same statement. You know, it goes down in history. It's like a stamp. Yeah. To let you know where everything is, you know. But for, for Colin Kaepernick, he was like a guy that, you know, uh, how can I say it? People love his look. Yeah. You know, yeah, a lot of foot- women love football because of Colin Kaepernick because he's sexy. He's this and that. Mm. I but, didn't know yeah, that, but okay. But, you know, but you're not. You're a Philly girl. So, you know, so. But, so I had to go the Mark Sanchez route. Right. No, not Mark Sanchez. <laughs> Even though he was our backup. Right. I was going to say, he's your backup and he's yeah. SC. Um, but just the fact that he had this lightning rod effect to where he could make that stance and people would see him, listen right. to him and understand. Now that LeBron is making that statement, now that... Um, Russell Wilson mm-hmm. has even come yeah. out and made yeah. statements. And now people are feeling, feeling freer to say, you like, hey, it's not all right to justify this or that. Because if, it's any race. Because, because I, I condemn the Holocaust at all, at everything. Mm-hmm. If you're going to burn books, you're going to burn people, you're going to try to wipe out a whole civilization. Right. It's like, wait a minute, who is the root of that cause? You know? Right. So, so it's not just a black thing. It's, 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 a, it's a world thing. It's a humanity thing. Right. And it's about being educated on on and aware to all of the different that this has existed in different cultures mm-hmm. for different different groups of people throughout time. Yes. And this is well before our time and it was well before America was formed and it's and it'll probably well be well after but hopefully mm-hmm. it'll be lessened and it'll be obsolete at some point hopefully yeah. before the earth is <laughs> yeah, right but yeah, but but even if not you know it's just like like we, we, we always got to bring it back to sports you know it's just as long as we can sit in a stadium together and yeah. we can and we can uh, yeah we we can and that's the that's the start you know and because i can well, i can drive down any street in santa monica in venice or whatever and i can see a white guy wearing a kobe bryant jersey you yeah. know, so it's just like, you know, and you do right, yeah, and a, and a pair of Jordans, you know, yeah. so so the, the, the divide is it's not that far, 
Yeah. I agree, and I think I think that it's just main making sure that we stay aware to the problems that still do exist so we can change them and we yeah. can like change our attitudes and be more open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I love, you know, I love hearing your perspective and I love how, you know, it always comes back to sports and team because that's what it is about. You know, it's mm-hmm. about other people. It's about, it's not just about yourself. And maybe if you played golf your whole life and that's all you ever played, your perspective would be <laughs> right. much different, you know? Right. It's me, Tiger me, Woods. me, me. Right, right. Tiger, <laughs> me, me, me. Exactly. You know, my son, he's going in. He, he's, a, he's a tennis player and a uh, baseball player. So it's a, it's a different dynamic. You know, the yeah, tennis is just you, you know, and I have to keep him like, no. The older one or the younger one? My older one, yeah. Okay, the older one's the quiet, more reserved one, yes, right? The yes. younger one's the, like the one that's like, I'm gonna be a superstar. Right, I'm daddy. a superstar. Right, I'm the guy. You <laughs> yeah. know, so so. But my, my my oldest is a tennis player, and, and that's an individual sport. Mm-hmm. And he's very introvert, like you said. Right. So it's just like you know, like no son. It's really look at how you can be better for everyone. Right. You know, not just yourself. You know. So I always have to pull him out of his tennis mode because tennis is very cerebral. You know, and it is. I know nothing about tennis, so I'm just there watching and I'm seeing how he interacts and and everything is introverted. But when he's on the baseball field, he's yeah, he's slapping five. You know, and it's like okay, and that speaks more to the the team and yeah. that yeah. the difference sport. And it's, yeah. it's interesting. I don't know much about tennis either. And actually, my next guest, um, you have to get out of here in five minutes. No, I'm just kidding. It's not right. tonight. Right. Okay. But my next guest <laughs> next week is a former tennis pro. Okay. So that's kind of a that's going to be cool to nice. bring, yeah to yeah, just hear nice. that that different perspective right, you know right. because most of the team most of the people that I've had we're talking about team sports and mm. just hearing how that dynamic is so much different yes. you know and I'm sure yeah. that's sort of what your son is going through now yeah. and also you'll have to listen to that podcast because it relates to tennis yes. for your son so I-, I will be listening in so I want before we go to hear your baller story and for those people that are just tuning in t- for the first time or those that have been here with me the whole time since we started the podcast in late last year, our baller story is now. Um, it's you know our guest story. Sometimes I tell them, but I <laughs> I, I feel like I don't really have one today. But I mean, I I kind of told them in variation. But our baller story is like you know what it, something that exemplifies your emotional connection to sports. You clearly have one, and it's just a moment or an experience um, that you can share with people about what that is for you. So. Mm. Do you have something that comes to mind? I do have something that Yay. comes to mind. You know, and, and it's funny because the, the the thing that comes to mind is the day that I signed my professional contract. That's you, a big day. It, it's a huge day. You know, it was something I was waiting for all of my life. and um, But I, I had to really, in retrospect, look at... Um, where I took myself to get to that point, you know, and it took a lot of hard work. It took dedication. It took like an understanding, a switch being turned on in my body from being one way to another way overnight, you know, because I really wanted this. Like I really, really wanted this and I wanted this for my family. I wanted this for um, my friends, you know, and and I don't know if that's a real reason to to really do things. Of course it is. Yeah, because it's just like I represent them, you know. Right. Yeah, so. I think whatever your reason is, it unless it's like I'm gonna do this because I'm gonna get rich and I want people to look at me. Other than that, <laughs> right. anything, anything, because that's a little bit more superficial. But anything that your reason is that has that's based on yourself, friends, and family, that's absolutely like 
a great reason. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah so I'm, are you, I'm but, hijacking but, your story. No, no, no. You, 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 <laughs> you're, you're, you're interjecting beautifully. But mm-hmm. no, it, it was just something that um, just putting all that sweat and that hard work and broken bones and all of those different things to get to my it goal. Meant something. Yeah, it meant something. It was it was something. And I saw what my, my father was pushing me for because, you know, it, it kind of strained our relationship. That's why I don't coach my kids now because mm-hmm. I want them to just really enjoy sports and, and I can be dad, you know, and it's not always talking about baseball and all of this stuff, you know, but um, just getting to that point, it, it really grew me up quick because, right. you know, being a kid from Los Angeles, uh, like I said earlier, I didn't really have a worldly perspective or a statewide perspective because I, I still haven't been. I've been to Puerto Rico, but I haven't traveled the world like you, Miss London. Excuse <laughs> me. But um, but it was it was just it was just something different. Um, it, it set me above from the rest and it really put me in a position to always strive for my greatest you know and Mm -hmm. I can always and whenever I get into a lull I'm not perfect but when I get into a lull I know what it takes to get to that next level because I already did it it just takes hard work repetition making sure that you follow through making sure that you're a person of your word you have integrity and you show who you are on the field so even when I go into telecom I show who I am on the field you know and right. I show people um, it's not just talk because you know when you, you form a nonprofit, it, it just doesn't stop there it just isn't, isn't a, a free lunch just to get money you know you have to put that money to work right. so that people can benefit off of the money that you're getting you know I so, so you know, everything always comes back to sports. It's just, you know, like the team effort. Um, I Hopefully, after hearing that this is your thing, I want you on my team, Shannon. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, I'm a good, I'm a good teammate, and I, I can hit, too. So. <laughs> right, right. Now, I, I want to ask you a question. Do you remember, like, what you did that, that night or that day, like, after you signed the contract? Like, anything cool, like, or anything you felt? Like, did you go out and, like... Buy a steak dinner? Did you like have nice dreams? I mean, it, had, it was a great feeling, you know. Do, do you know? I, I want to be real with you. I, I was I was staying with my dad at the time, and a girl that I was I was dating. I, I didn't even know this was going to happen. My the scout um, Joe Butler he called and he said, "Look, man, I, I only have so much time to put this offer on the table. Do you want it or not?" And I said, "Yes, I want it." He spoke, spoke to my dad. My dad was like, no, too low. I'm like, I want out of here. I'm sorry. So he comes to my house. The girl I was dating at the time, she was actually in the room waiting. to. I, she didn't know what was going on. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, what should I do right now? Should I involve her in this or should I? And I said, no, 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 I'm going to leave her to the side. And I signed this contract and my dad dropped a tear for the first time ever. Oh my god. Like my dad actually cried, you know. And it's the first time you saw your dad cry. Ever, ever. I, I've never saw my dad I actually I saw him cry once, but it was just like something that was outside of like there was, like, there was like wind in the air. Right, right. Wind in the air, he got something in his eye. But you know, just seeing my dad just really realize that and he had the video camera out and you know doing all that. But just seeing him realize like wow man, my son did it. That's you know amazing. Yeah, and it, it was just an amazing feeling and 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 unfortunately, you know, it didn't happen for me. But, you know, hopefully he's still proud because I'm proud of myself. You know, I, I got to where, you know, one percent gets. Well, it did happen for you. You, you. you you signed a contract and you played. I mean, you mean after that it, you didn't go to the pros? Is that yeah. what you mean? Well, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's the pros, you know, it, well, but, I mean, but, it's but the, the pros, major but leagues. Yeah, like, yeah, like I didn't I'm, make it. Yeah. And, and that was the disappointment for him, you know, and but I didn't put that pressure on myself right you know and, and maybe if i did i might have made it but i just didn't 
I, I didn't want to tie my myself to the outcome. Listen, I think you're doing okay. Okay, I think <laughs> Thank you. I think you're. It, you know, it's hard to make it in whatever your aspirations are, right? And and w- with what you're talking about, I can relate to comedy. And you know, I'm by no means a famous comedian, and I might never be. But I I look at it at I might not make it. But you're to the, funny as shit. Well, though. I appreciate that, but I might not make it to the major league level. I I, I hope that I do, and mm-hmm. I but I might not. And what I decided a long time ago was, it, it's okay mm-hmm. because as long as I'm enjoying my life every day mm-hmm. and what I'm doing, and it's not just based on this one thing, then I'm gonna be fine. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna have a happy life, and that's gonna be that. Right. And. So I think you're more prone to being successful when you feel that way. But on, in your case, it's different because it's also based on like physicality and you broke your back. It's so like, what are you going to do? But like right, right, at right. the end of the day, you got your dad to cry. So you can be like, you know what, dad? <laughs> right. I made you I, cry. I made you cry. So <laughs> right. you can't take it back. You can't roll that tear back up in your eyeball. <laughs> nope. You cried. I made yeah. you cry. But I think that you have a good outlook and you have a pot and, you know, and you have this cool thing with your, we barely talked about it. All right. Before we go, you do have to explain to people what they've gaze means because it just sounds weird if you know we keep talking about it but i already we already said the venice gaze is a men's league that which is where i met marvin and that's the beginning of the story that's now the end of the story um your manager andy lazarus who's a comedian that's how i know you yeah he was one of my first interviews um and he loves baseball but he named it the gaze which is the opposite of the a's oakland a's and it looks like the a's uniform but it's like the a flipped up Side, side down, down to a V. So what is the gays? The gays are an ensemble of gentlemen <laughs> that love baseball, but the name is actually a play on words. So the Venice gaze is the gaze is an intense stare. You know, and, and it's funny because I played on a different team and I was like, what the hell kind of name is that? And then, <laughs> then you see the eyeballs and I, I got it because I'm like real cerebral type of cat, you know, and yeah. I'm like, well, OK, I see the eyes. So is he talking about a looking because I didn't think Andy was on that other stuff, you know, and then nothing wrong, you know, nothing wrong with that. You Andy know? is the opposite of you know, yo, he's he's, yeah. he's so hetero. It's like it's it's amazing. But he's uh, I mean, I'm just saying he likes women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah he definitely likes women. He definitely likes women. But, you know, but just they were they were always a, a good group of guys. Guys, you Hence, know that's I, why there's women in the dugout. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instagram, everything. Venice Gaze. Follow us on Venice Gaze on uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook as and well. And it's spelled G A Z E. Yeah, G A Z E. And it's a band of bros who plays baseball at a competitive level. Yes. And you go out every Sunday and you have fun. And I remember when I interviewed your one um, very, um, what, how should I describe him? Unique uh, teammate. Uh, Telly. Telly, oh yeah. He Telly's said, the man. He said he used a word called, he said mercurial, which I, oh, I never forgot because I never had used that <laughs> word in my life. He yes. said no matter what mercurial issues are going on in people's lives, does that even make sense? Yes. He said, you know, whether people are breaking up with people or they're having uh-huh. problems with their kids or whatever, you come here on Sunday and we're like having fun and we're yeah. competing yeah. and then you guys go to um, Arizona, Arizona together yes, yes. and you do all these things so I think that's really cool and I think people should follow Venice Gaze on Instagram please for mm-hmm. a um, for a play on words take of um, a professional 
um, baseball team, I guess, like right. whatever you want to say. I don't we're, know. we're just we're just doing it for fun, but we we have fun and and there's a uh, there's a there's an end result to all of this uh, Instagram and everything. And Andy Lazarus is like uh, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey circus of the whole thing, but he's he's a great guy. That's for sure. He's a clown. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um, but watching you guys play, I definitely would not say it was a circus because you guys are good. You, it's Thank a you. it's a, you guys are good, and I will definitely make it to a team. I mean. To a game because I heard you guys play where? Tell everybody. We play at St. Bernard High School. That's where I, I coach these young men in high school, uh, Catholic school. But it's a great time. You know, usually we have the music bumping. We have a, a great ambiance. Um, we have food at times. Um, it, it's really, really a great time. Westchester. Uh, Playa del Rey, 9100 Fallmouth Avenue, St. Bernard High School. Playa del Rey, California, and there is a lot of times a free taco truck, if I'm not wrong, because the next time you'll see me there um, is when the taco (laughs) truck will be there, so you'll have to let me know. And then outside of that, where can people find you for your charity? How Uh, can they look that up? You can actually find me at Marv Horn uh, on Instagram, or I Am Self, because we didn't even talk about I I wrote a book. Um, Damn, uh, you were in Moneyball? You wrote a book? What the Uh, Fuck. I'm I'm just I'm just taking advantage of every I opportunity. Even find any of this stuff on the internet. <laughs> no. All right, I'm I'm, I'm hidden well, but um, no. But you you can find me on Marvhorn. My uh, my it's a www.protelecomandwireless.com. You can just check me out, see what I'm up to. Uh, my book is called I Am: Fifty Two Powerful Perspectives to Awaken Personal Growth and Self Improvement. It's on Amazon. Amazing. Yeah, so check me out. Um, come out to the games. We would love to have you and and shannon thank you so much for having me oh yeah thank you so much for being here marvin this was awesome i mean i had no idea this is why i wanted to have you on so when you were like i'm not a comedian blah 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 (laughs) i i knew it was gonna be good because you brought something different to the table than any of my um guests have brought and that's why i wanted to have you and this was so fun so don't forget to follow marvin on all the things he just said but we'll put it we'll post it on the social media when we promote this thank you and then obviously don't forget to follow me on um obviously you follow playing with balls on instagram and twitter and facebook and look up our old maybe i'll repost our old video um of the gays and then also me, Shannon Lee, if you want to watch my Star Wars little clip of me being a stormtrooper. Um, it's and, hot. And, and it's am I too hot. small to be a stormtrooper, short to be a stormtrooper? No, no, On Shannon Lee Comedy on Instagram. Thank you guys so much and have a good night. Peace. <laughs>